Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Everybody taking part and singing out heartily. Jump right into it now and sing Heavenly Sunshine and turn around and shake hands with as many as possible. All together. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, honey, it's time again for the letters. Go right ahead. Some letters. Dear friends, I'm sure you will be interested to know that here in Miami, your broadcast is being placed over the air Sunday mornings on the loudspeaker in the band shell in the main park. And it sounds mighty good to hear the gospel singing floating out over the air for all to hear and then the sound gospel preaching. Last Sunday, the gas and electric company's employees were working near, and they could hear, too. The other day, I happened to be in one of the railroad stations, and the shoeshine boy had his little radio tuned to your program. People in the station could hear. Yes, people don't have to go to church these days to hear the gospel, but we wish more of them would heed it and also attend church. A lady writes, Dear Reverend Fuller, Here, where we live in Kansas, we are one and a half miles off the rock road and cannot get to church over the muddy roads, so we surely depend on your broadcast every Sunday. I know how you appreciate Daniel, for we have a son in the ministry, too, and he was converted listening to the old-fashioned revival hour, as well as our daughter. She is in child evangelism work. From North Carolina, a man uh, now out of the service of his country writes a good letter. He says, Dear Reverend Fuller, last year I wrote you from Japan, saying that I would like to hear your program there, and you told me where to get it. I picked it up on shortwave from China, and it was so wonderful when I was so far away from home to hear your familiar voice and the good old songs that we sang in the church at home. I also heard you when I was over in Europe, and I guess your program is heard pretty much all over the world. Here at home, in our fire station, we always look forward to hearing you and receive a blessing. May the Lord continue your hour. We like the spirit of it, cheery and feeding. And then this last letter from South Dakota, dear Reverend Fuller, it is 20 years ago since I first listened to your program. I was then a young school teacher on the lone prairies of South Dakota and far away from home. There was no church that I could attend, and I awaited eagerly each Sunday service of yours. Now I am a mother of five children, still living in South Dakota, and still depending on the old-fashioned revival hour. Although we do not have a church here, we do have a small Sunday school which meets in the rural schoolhouse. As the years go by, I enjoy your preaching of God's word, Mr. Fuller, more and more. And the music and singing is the very best, I think. I listen to you regularly because it is spiritual food for me, and the messages help so much. All of our children are saved, and we are praying that our whole family may become Christian. And that is all I shall have time for today, friends.
please and sing one verse in chorus of number 50. God will take care of you. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide. God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide. God will take care of you. Remain standing for word of prayer.
Thank thee, Heavenly Father, for thy gracious promise which says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age, and that all things do work together for good to those that are the called ones, to those that love thee. All things work together for good. And we thank thee that surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, all through thy wonderful, amazing grace. Save souls today, comfort the hearts of those that are discouraged, put thy loving arms underneath those that are sick and ill, and bind us together in these closing, difficult, perilous days, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. i 
Listening to the Old Fashioned Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message today is titled, The Breastplate of Righteousness. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 14, as we rejoin the broadcast. I'll provide additional information on how to get in touch with us after Dr. Fuller's message. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't be at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, no, I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just over in glory land we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, oh, I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Please open your Bibles to the sixth chapter of Ephesians, verse 14, the latter part of that verse, the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. And may we sit together in heavenly places, and as we sit together around the Word, will you pray, wherever you are, fellow believer, that the Holy Spirit may take the Word in an unusual way today and sink it into the hearts of those outside of Christ and bring conviction and bring them to a saving knowledge of the Lord. I have no other ambition than to see souls saved. These words were given to a little band of born-again believers in the great and prosperous but very wicked city of Ephesus. The glad tidings of the gospel had been proclaimed by God's faithful ambassador, but of the many who heard a little group believed, received the word of God with gladness, answering the voice of redeeming love, then confessed their faith in the redeeming blood of the Lamb of God, 
which taketh away the sin of the world. Their confession of faith, however, compelled their separation from many of their old acquaintances and fellowships and attachments. The forces once friendly now became their deadly enemies. They wrestled not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world system, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Thus confronted by overwhelming hostilities on every side, Paul exhorts them to stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Paul, a soldier, tried and true, a veteran of many spiritual conflict, as one who had endured hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, counsels these young converts, these new soldiers, advising them what armor they must wear if they are to be more than conquerors, to be always victorious in the spiritual conflict. Hence the injunction, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, in the Roman army of Paul's day, the breastplate was a piece of armor not only covering the breast, but the back, the neck, and the hips. Perhaps a better understanding might be had if one called this piece of armor a coat of mail. The Roman coat of mail, or breastplate, consisted of small metal plates overlapping one another like a shield upon a shield, wrapping the body with its strong defenses, protecting the vital organs, the heart, the lungs, the back, and the front from every assault of the foe. So in reading verse 14, may, we, may I be permitted to read this way. Listen closely. Put on righteousness like a coat of mail, Wear it at all times, your comings and going, and in it meet all the malicious antagonisms of demons and evil men. Fellow soldiers in God's army, we need to put on righteousness, God's righteousness, like a coat of mail. Even our Lord Jesus, the captain of our salvation, clothed himself far in Isaiah 59:17 we find these words he the lord jehovah put on righteousness as a breastplate if he needed the breastplate and he is god's righteousness surely we finite weak as we are we need to be clothed with the breastplate or coat of mail of righteousness two things this breastplate of righteousness is needed first for salvation and second for service as soldiers of Jesus Christ. All right. It is for our protection. We need to know what kind of material this righteousness is. We need to know when the onslaughts of the evil one come and they will come. Thirty-seven years have taught me many lessons. 
And I want to say to you that unless you're clothed upon with the whole armor of God, you'll not be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we want to be sure that our coat of mail is made out of the right material and not out of some substitute, some false or phony material that Satan, the angel of light, is pawning off on all of these bloodless cults and thousands falling for his pernicious ways. First, we note a very significant portion of God's Word touching upon this important subject, the breastplate of righteousness. It's found in Philippians 3.10. Listen carefully. Paul speaking. He said, And be found in him, that is, in Christ, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. Note, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now, there are many things that might be brought out in that marvelous verse, but I want you to note among the blessed truths found there just this, that there are two types of righteousness spoken of in that verse. Paul speaks mine own righteousness first, that is Paul's righteousness, and second, the righteousness of God or God's righteousness, which is by faith in Christ Jesus. All men, regardless of position, regardless of color, regardless of race, are covered either with their own righteousness or standing in their own righteousness or are clothed upon with God's righteousness. There's no middle ground. So, by the way of illustration, let's go back to the opening chapters of Genesis for just a moment. In Genesis 1:26, we find these words, God speaking, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. How silly to think that man's come up from the lower animal. God created Adam and Eve in his own likeness. May that sink home. But wait, in Genesis 3, Satan, the old serpent, not our wriggling snake as something, but Satan, the old devil, the serpent, came into the Garden of Eden. And Eve and Adam listened to Satan's word, believing the lie over against God's eternal word. And Satan said to Eve, Yea, hath God said, throwing doubt into Eve's mind. And we find in Genesis 3, 7, now note these words, The eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Here is the picture, created in the image of God, covered with a robe of light and beautiful glory in perfect relationship and fellowship with God. But the moment that they listened to the voice of the evil one and believed the lie and substituted the lie over against God's words, They stood there then in God's presence, 
having lost that outward covering of, uh, covering of glory and found themselves naked, not in the realm of the physical. That may be true, but it's a far deeper truth. They found themselves before God without a covering, naked before God, alienated and cut off from the life that is in Christ Jesus. And instinctively they felt their need of a covering and they began to make themselves aprons of fig leaves to be covered and to be acceptable before God. But wait, Adam and Eve sinned. And by one man's disobedience, sin entered into the world. And Adam and Eve lost their God-given covering, God's covering of righteousness. And so they proceed immediately to cover themselves with a robe or a covering, the works of their own hands. Now wait, all men by nature, that come into this world are by nature children of disobedience, by nature children of wrath, without hope, without God, without Christ. And they stand covered in their own works of righteousness. And Paul speaks of it, that he might not be found in his own righteousness, which is of the law but be found in that righteousness which is of God through faith in Christ. Listen to me, unsaved friend. Be honest now. Deep down in your heart, you're trying by your own good works and own good thoughts, and commendable as they are, you're trying by some effort, self-effort, to be acceptable before God. But I tell you, it's without hope. For by the works of the law shall no man be justified, and by the works of self-righteousness they'll be of no avail in God's sight. I tell you that on the authority of God's Word. What are you going to do? Listen. May we consider the opening chapters of Romans for just a moment, and I'm giving you a quick bird's-eye view of this thing. In the very first chapter of Romans, there are these two verses that are very important. There are four fours. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, first. Second, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, that is in the gospel, now listen, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And right in the opening chapters of Romans, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in chapter 1, 19, to the end of that chapter, shows first that the deeply died, deeply ingrained sinner, the scarlet sinner, is without the righteousness of God. And you say to the poor bum, drunken in the gutters of the city, why, of course, he needs God's righteousness. But wait! Turn to the second chapter of Romans. And he says, Thou, therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. 
And you judge that poor drunken bum as a sinner, a fornicator, a murderer, an adulterer. Yes, he needs the righteousness of God, but how about you, the moral, the upright, the one, uh, the one that's trying to live by the golden rule and observe the Sermon on the Mount? God says you're devoid of the standard of righteousness. And then not to leave any doubt, he goes on in the third chapter or the latter part of the second chapter and he says to you, religious sinner, to you who have your name upon the church roll but are not born again, to you who observe sacraments and bow down before images and follow the beautiful things that appeal to the eye and to the ear, you, unless you're born again, are devoid of the standard of God's righteousness and you are without hope and without God and without Christ. And so he comes to the conclusion. Listen to it. It is very beautiful. Therefore, chapter 320, by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh, shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Therefore, by the deeds of self-righteousness, observing the law, and doing the things that you think are right in God's sight, but without being clothed upon with God's standard of righteousness, you shall not be justified in God's sight. Now, how to obtain, unsaved friend, how to obtain God's covering and have the breastplate, the coat of mail of righteousness? We begin, and in this third chapter of Romans, notice the word, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophet. Here it is. Here is the gospel in all of its glory. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all, them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the standard that God sets up. You may be perfect up to ninety-nine and nine-tenths in God's sight, but you'll never reach 100% perfection except in Jesus Christ, and that one-tenth of one percent will put you into the burning lake of fire. It's the acceptance of God's standard robe covering of righteousness. And that righteousness, that covering, can only be obtained by faith in one person alone. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in any church. Not in any ceremony. Not in any water baptism. Not in any observance of any day. Not in anything else except Christ, God's Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now bring it right down to you. How are you going to obtain it? Listen. He that heareth my word and believeth on Him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into judgment or condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Acts 16.31, familiar to you believers, believe 
on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And herein is the heart of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. Christ, the righteous one, died for you, the unrighteous one. He died in your place instead. And I say to you today, accept him, receive him. Then God receives you, and you become clothed upon with the breastplate of righteousness. And keep it on. And when you have it on, it'll answer all the accusations of Satan. For who shall be able, according to the eighth of Romans, here it is, who shall separate us? From the love of God. Or who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? If you have on the righteousness of Christ by faith, Satan cannot penetrate that armor. He said, I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon the Lord. I'm closing two or three minutes early to give time for the word to sink in. And so Paul's prayer was answered. He said, not having mine own righteousness, but the righteousness which is of God through faith in Christ. Listen, back in the days of Noah, it's recorded in the word that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And that wicked world, every imagination and evil of their hearts, minds continually evil, God says, I'm sorry I created man. You know what Noah did? He preached that there was only one covering that would save fallen humanity from the coming flood. And that was to be covered with God's righteousness. God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. And then he told Noah to prepare an ark. And it's beautiful. When the ark was prepared, he said to Noah and his family, Come thou into the ark, and be covered, and ride above the water. Are you in the ark? Be honest with me. If not, why not? God's not willing that you should. But he says, Come. Friend outside of Christ in the radio audience, I've just barely touched the fringe of truth in this marvelous verse. God is speaking to you. Kneel where you are and look up into the Father's face and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me for Christ's sake. I'm not willing that you should perish. But I tell you, except ye repent, ye will perish. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And in this splendid visible audience in Long Beach today, how many will put their hands up and say, Pray for me. I need Christ as my personal Savior. Remember me in prayer. Will you put your hand up and say, Brother Fuller, pray for me. I need Christ as my personal God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sailor boy. Sailor lad, God bless you, young lady. You're on the lower floor. God bless you, another sailor lad. 
Now here's a soldier, lad, God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you, my dear man. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you here, Marine. On the lower floor, put your hand, anyone else, and say, pray for me. God bless you, another sailor lad. I need Christ. God bless you. I need Christ as my personal Savior. Remember me in prayer. I want to receive you. Any place, anywhere, anyone else, just before we close, put your hand up and say, Brother Fuller, God bless you, young lady. I, I must close. Continue in prayer. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you. Yeah.